Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. The first week of 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, I will come on to your new year in a moment here, but we are going to talk about Dakar, just kicked off yeah. uh, a couple of days ago. Very exciting race. We're going to talk about women in motorsport. And as it's a little bit of a quiet week, if only we had an ex-Formula 1 driver, ex-Le Mans racing driver that we could ask yeah. a couple of questions yeah. to on this yeah. podcast, which of course is Tiff Nadella, and I will ask him a couple of questions uh, just, to, just to pass a little bit of time. But how was your new year, Tiff? Uh, yeah, terrible. <laughs> Well, lovely. I had the family at home, but the uh, the dishwasher broke. Uh, I got two small centralating boilers for my piling old Victorian house. They're both leaking and need replacing. Uh, my computer's crashed, uh, so I haven't got a computer to play with, and I've only got a mobile phone apart from borrowing my wife's iPad for doing these things. And um, it's all a disaster, really. Uh, <laughs> but you've missed out another uh, thing that maybe did, hasn't gone your way. Southampton, where are they in the oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, and, and my football team is at the bottom of the league. And we went to Fulham. I thought we might actually get a point at Fulham. But we, so we had a good eye. We're still going. But on Wednesday night, it's Nottingham Forest. We thought that we might get some points off them. But even they managed to draw with Chelsea at the weekend. <sighs> so no, it hasn't been the best. Well, it can only no. get better. So, so no, that's why I'm looking at Dakar to cheer myself up. Okay, what have you got to tell us about Dakar? I mean, what a race, well, what, a, what a history. We're going there, there, aren't you? I you, am. Where are you going at? When, which day are you going out on? Have you got I'm your schedule? Going, thank you very much, Audi UK. Mm-hmm. I'm going on the 13th of January. So I'm very excited. Friday the 13th. I'm lucky oh, that's towards the end, isn't it, by then? Yeah, by yeah the it 13th. is. So I forget hope, which day it runs to. Well, I think Audi, because of course they're, they're yeah, the, the hot favourites, I think they're expecting to um, get right. a sword Have to win. on for the win. So, no, and I love the Dakar. It gets me out of every year I watch it. We've got this amazing on Eurosport, 8 o'clock every night, Eurosport 1 to 8pm. They do the one-hour show. They've got um, Colton Kirby. Carlton Kirby. What's in Colton? Carlton. Carlton Kirby, who I love. He just waffles on, meanders through everything. That's some very humorous comments, no shouting or screaming. And he, he to me, is the commentator of the year when he does Dakar. He's just perfect What makes him so it. good? He just sort of sets the scene. You know, I wonder, look at these scenes. Look at these scenes. And, and he jokes a bit about the names. He has little chuckly jokes he has. and Just talks us through what's going on in a lovely, relaxed... Sometimes you think he doesn't know what he's talking about. He wanders off to one side. Um, it's just it's just a very relaxing hour of motorsport with the most stunning photography. I mean, the, the shots they get, you know, quite often catching an accident live. You know, helicopters are up there following everything down and the stunning scenery. And just the endurance of it, you know, because there's, there's about, what is it, about some one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven different classes, uh, about four main ones they cover, obviously the trucks, the cars, the bikes, and the uh, quad bikes. Um so, so and they always have these little privateer ones where they bring their own videos, you know. And you see these privateers that have dreamed of taking their motorcycle to the Dakar for about 20 years. Then you see them at 2 a.m. in the dark, falling off a sand dune, exhausted, trying to pick the bike up again, getting into the finish at 3 a.m. and then having to start again at 5 a.m. I mean, just amazing endurance. It's 8,000 kilometres through the desert over these 15 days. Each stage is like 200 miles uh, the stages and it's just I just think it's fascinating just a human the human effort 
and the joy and the despair. It's everything motorsport gives to people in many ways. And course, all there in these two weeks. You have to the middle of the desert, you get a puncture or something, and you've got, yeah. to, you, 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 yeah. you've got to sort it out yourself. Amazing now because the sort of prototypes have these sort of self-jacking, you know, whole metal plate goes down underneath, lifts everything up in the air. But you know, see, I mean, you know, it's, it's Audi, of course, the big story is Audi have got this amazing e-tron. They, they said it's the most complicated competition vehicle they've ever made. You know, it's this four-wheel drive, all electric drive on the wheels. It's got this little two-litre turbocharged petrol engine and as the generator. So that's running, I think, 80% of the time to, to just fill up the batteries to power the wheels. It's an incredibly complex machine. And there's three of those running, three factory Audis. Uh, there's six Toyotas um, out there with um, it's uh, NASA Al Ataya is always the biggest character in the Toyota. He won it last year. I might be wrong. Um, yes, he did. Um, you know, sort of six Toyotas running out. There's four Minis that are a bit sort of old now, older than the hat. And then there's um, these four Pro Drive cars. These hunters, they've now made a road version of them. They're from, you can buy one if you want for about two million or ten million or whatever million you have in your back pocket. You know, Sebastian Loeb drives one of the hunters. So you've got, you know, six, ten, nearly twenty potential winners uh, in the in the car class, and it's just brilliant to watch. And you know, it started off day one with you know our British champion, the bike rider Sam Sunderland. Uh, number one on his plate, interviewed before the event, looking for. He won it, I think, in 2017. Uh, and he's out. He's in. He's in hospital. Day one, uh, you know, the reigning champion hit a rock. He says in a hidden a rock, hit a bit of a rock, hidden in soft sand, and uh, he's broken his hip. I think he's bad. His pelvis, maybe a shoulder, and um, and a lot of my There's a few rollovers, retirements on day one. It's you just never know when a Dakar is going to bite you as a competitor. You certainly need a um, bit of luck as well, don't you? Yeah, to to get through and. Um, you know, the cars, you know, Carlos, a bit of, there's a little bit of needle. Uh, Nasser Alatire, he's quite a character, this uh, Qatar boy, and he's, he's always winding people up. And even on the interview before the before this event starts, he's all, oh, of course, you know, Dakar, you have to think and worry and decide what your strategy is going to be, and there's so much peril. So I always go flat out. <laughs> and he does, he drives flat out. But he and, yeah. he and Carlos Sainz is having a bit of a wind-up because Carlos Sainz, a bit like Fernando Alonso in Formula 1, he's always, he's always in a bit of a mode and a complaint that the world's against him because um, the Audis with their um, electric drive, uh, they have to have an extra 100 kilos of weight on the, on the regulation. So they're running 100 kilos heavier. But of course, they've got that instant torque. You know, the electric power is perfect for, you know, powering through poor grip and getting up mountains of sand. Uh, so science was complaining that Alantyre NASA go <laughs> at Carlos, he's always moaning, you know. So a little bit, a little bit of needle between Audi and the rest of the field. Um, but then science, you know, stage one is a puncture, which must take them about two or three or four minutes to to, to change. You know, they've got to get the wheel out at and least, the wheel back at least. Yeah, and uh, and then he's just blast through from about twenty third. Yeah. He dropped to to win the first stage. You know, so the Audi's definitely the quickest machine out there i think it should be theirs to win as you say but you know little things like because the um stefan petter hansel uh he's down in about ninth place after day one eighth overall so he didn't exactly blast through in his audi and matches ekstrom the swedish kid who's um he, he finished third overall the stage but then at a 15 minute penalty because he missed one of the um by markers, you've, got to, you've always got to go near these markers in the middle yeah. of the desert. You've got, to, you've got to go near enough for your computer to trip. Um, so that dropped him. You know, he's now uh, 15 minutes behind science in in thirteenth uh, place. 
So you only got to miss one of these navigation points by that. But, you know, 15 minutes this day, this always nothing. You know, you can catch 15 minutes up over the days. But it's interesting. I mean, end of day one, you know, you've got Audi in first place, Seb Loeb second in a, in a Hunter, well, pro-drive cars. Then Al-Raji from Saudi in, in third in a Toyota. Then another Hunter, then another Hunter, then another Toyota. So it's, it's packed up the front. And then you have these weird um, side-by-sides, these different classes, T1, T2, T3, T4. Um, you have these little buggies side-by-side. They're not motorbike engines, I think, in the back. I'm not sure what they are. I need to look into more detail. But, you know, you just look at all these things. And the bikes at the end of day one, all the big stars are up there. Who we had, you know, so leading is, is American Ricky Brabeck, who was a 2020 winner. And second is the Argentinian Benavides, who was a 2021 winner. And in third place is the Australian Toby Price, who's a 2019 winner. So all the stars are there. As I said, but then you lose Sam Sunderland on day one. It's just so much going on. So speaking much going of, on. Speaking of stars, can you imagine when this first launched this race? Of course, it was from Paris to Dakar. But yeah. Can you imagine having to navigate with the stars and how the sky yeah. must look in the middle of the desert with no light pollution and see all the stars? Yeah. It just would have been magical. would have been very stressful as well. But, uh... but, but you, know, you love it when you see some of these shots and there's bikes going in different directions. There's a couple of bikes. <laughs> you see some of them doing a, a 360-degree donut to try and watch where they, you know, get their guidance from their computer readouts of where they need to be next. Recalibrating. And, yeah, you, and you see these crossing cars, you know, thing, they just get so lost. And, and you see people stuck, you know, in, in the dunes. And you see them digging a car out, which sometimes takes 10, 15, 30 minutes. And then sometimes they can drive 100 yards and get stuck again. And then oh, you're going to get out. Soul-destroying. <laughs> really soul-destroying. But, you know, I love it. It's, it's just a, such a good story. I, mean, I don't know how many. There, there are 91 classics out there. There's now a classic division that goes an easier route. Um, there are about 70 cars, 50 bikes, trucks. Wow. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. You've, you've, yeah. you've whetted my appetite even more now. For, uh... No, you must. You know, Audi got this amazing machine. I mean, talk about science going ahead, you know. It doesn't need to have a charging station. I mean, I've been a laugh the EV boys on Twitter. <laughs> Lawrence Whitaker's been around up to Scotland and back and found these uh, uh, charging stations with like four hour queues of 40 Teslas, all because, you know, as soon as you leave your home charger, where it all works fine if you've got your home charger, go on a, on a winter trip somewhere, then everybody's looking for the charging points in, in, in not out of the way places. Well, we digress a little um, bit, but you for, for sure, um, now that it's not the normal uh, charge from home, go to work or go to the office or whatever, now that people actually over the holidays did uh, different trips, people realise there are four-hour queues. And there are people who are tweeting, yeah. Jay Ward from Ford said, um, oh, can, when you get to 80%, the etiquette is you should get off your, your charger, yeah. let someone else get on there because there's a big queue. And other people are saying, hang on a minute. So if I've got to travel 200 miles and I need that range, why can't I stay on my charger? So that's another... And, and also, I'm in the restaurant having a nice lunch and the food's a bit late. So I'll come back to my car when, when I've finished my lunch. Do you know, that's one thing I noticed with charging electric cars. I spent so much money whilst you're waiting, you end up having food. You end up, and people say you eat anyway, but you don't. You get a sandwich on the way. You, it, it's, it's very different. But, uh, but we'll, we'll of course, the Dakar. I mean, I suppose the Dakar will not exist. You know, when it's all electric. I mean, you can't do, you know, five hundred kilometers in a day without a charger. Unless they can have sort of huge charging stations, helicopters out to the middle of the desert. Electric is not the solution. It is not the solution. Hybrids, hybrids is the way we should have gone. But everybody's. Um, 
jumped the gun and gone full electric. Anyway, watch so, the Dakar. Just you got two weeks of it sitting on your telly and watching these most amazing shots. Listen to Col- Col- Carlton. Why do I keep on you Colton Carlton? <laughs> Listen to Carlton waffling off into the day. Just, just, just talks on pictures. He's probably in London somewhere. Um, and it's just no, great he'll be, there. he'll be there for the atmosphere, I'm sure. I'm sure. He'll be in a booth <laughs> somewhere, but he'll be there for the atmosphere. Tiff, you told me about a, um, a good podcast uh, called Motormel. Um, yes. that, that I think is run by some cool kids and uh, very good, very good podcast. They don't they got they got Alex Albon there. We need better guests. Come on, they, they're getting yeah, Albon on, you know. I know, but um, but they did. I did see your tweet. Um, and it's about women in motorsport, so I'll let you because yes. you, you were a bit sort of well, vocal about it. I'm having a bad time. Ross Braun wound me up about Formula One saying he thinks <laughs> regulations are great and that the whole world is happy. Um, the Motormouth had these two guests on before, before Christmas, Chris Madelin, the very well-respected um, Formula One uh, journalist, uh, and his partner, Jess McFadden, McFadden who uh, works for uh, motorsport.net. And they were the guests, um, and they just wanted to kick off about women in motorsport and how it was they're so hard done by. Um, and I just think I'm tired. I, I've actually tweeted that, that they're sort of blaming motorsport for not letting women in. Uh, and Chris was very good about, you know, Jamie Chadwick. He sort of said, well, you know, she's, it's hard to tell whether she's quick enough to, to be a Formula One driver at this stage in her career. Um, she's gone off to America now to do Indy Lights or Indy FX, whatever it's called now. Indy Lights, yeah. Which he, yeah. He, he likened to Formula Three, which I thought was a bit disingenuous to, to Indy Lights because it's, it's the second rating to um, to IndyCar. So it'd be good to see how well Jamie gets on there. Um and he started talking about this, you know, but a woman can't fit into the car and the power steering. And he gradually started to move off into the, we should have several all-women series. Because if they just do this one series, one series isn't enough for them because they don't get enough seat time. And this I'll come to in a minute, seat time drives me mad. Um, and then we must change the cars to suit women. And then Jess came on to, to, to continue that theory and was very much sort of a, you know, motorsport was invented by men for men and men dominated it and women were shied away. Um, and that just wasn't true, isn't true. I mean, in Brooklyn's before the war, as I often say, you know, Kay Peter, a very good female driver, was well-respected, encouraged. And you know, I've always encouraged any woman I've got a young girl. You know, I've, ne- I've never seen this sort of pushing women away. You know, Maria Teresa de Filippo, you know, she bought a Maserati 250F and tried to do some Grand Prix in the 50s. Um, and I don't think the sport has been anti-women. I honestly believe it's just a sort of sport where most women didn't want to do, you know. <laughs> they just preferred to do something different. Or, you it's, know. A bit like, it's a bit like football. My daughter plays football. She always has done. But yeah. She's a minority in her, yeah. class, in her year at school. She's a minority. They struggle to get a team yeah. in my town. Yeah, uh, there aren't yeah, enough of them wanting to do it. Yeah, because it's just, and, and it's I, just a different I, sport. Lots of them play yeah. hockey, lots play netball. Yeah. But, but, but now it's a very inclusive world, and now everybody has opportunities. But do, I do I'm, what you want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because Jess, Jess then went on, which annoyed me a bit more. She went, um, he, she and Chris went over to um, uh, the American race school. They invited over for a nice little jolly. Um, Why don't we get which one jollies? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going anyway. to Arabia. <laughs> And her problem, which I can understand, was that, you know, the helmet, there was no helmet small enough. She's obviously quite a petite lady. I don't know. I've never seen her size, but I presume she's got a, a smallish head and the suits were a bit baggy and they couldn't get the right boots. But 
you know, I work at Thrux and all these corporates or outing places, they have small, medium and large, you know, they can't buy every size, you know, they haven't got the budgets in many ways. But even so, you know, there are plenty of small men, small young boys that have small heads. And it's this implication that it's the whole setup is anti-women getting involved. And so she's sort of saying, well, you know, women can't get into these cars because they don't fit, they've got wide hips and they're too small. But what about a six foot four man weighing 20 stone that dreams of being a racing driver? He can't be a racing driver either. He's six foot four. You know, nobody's going to make a car. I mean, luckily, Grand Prix cars have got bigger. Um, but you know, I spent my whole career with bruised elbows, bruised knees. You know, I suffered a lot of discomfort trying to be competitive. As you know, you need to be as relaxed as possible to be fit and comfortable. And, you know, a racing driver ideal height is about five foot nine, five foot ten. Um, you're the perfect size <laughs> and so you know I suffered for not fitting racing cars my whole career and I don't think you can demand the sport makes every car I remember Frank Durney the Lotus engineer designer when I went to try and fit into the Lotus to do a test for, for Topkin in the 90s and I pretty much couldn't get in I mean I remember the sort of the Leighton house that was built around yeah. tiny who was the driver at the time and the monocoques just got so small tight around everybody because designers wanted a, a smaller opening in the cop in their monocot for torsional rigidity and they were so small so, and frank Durney told me well tiff you just gotta wake up to the fact that motor racing is for jockey sized drivers sorry mate who was it famously get... who was it that famously um chopped the toes off his uh shoes well, james hunt yeah. i've had to do it as well james yeah. hunt did it i've had to do it because my feet were too big to get into the bottom of the monocot so i think you know i appreciate jess was annoyed that her helmet was jumped. I've known people where the helmets wasn't available. Put put some socks in the top of the helmet so it fitted better. She could have tried that. So I understand that she couldn't fit the school cars on the school uniform. But you know, I don't think that's aimed at women only. It's just a size thing. As I said, the six foot three man couldn't get in a racing car. Or the five foot two man. <laughs> yeah. Or we're, the five foot two. We're not hiding then- here because I'm a short ass. Uh, but, you know, the, then they get onto this, this seat time business that annoys me because then it's sort of, you know, they do the W series, but they don't get much seat time. If that's no. all they do, if, if that's all they do, they then come out to try to do Formula 3. Well, it's implications, all these rich boys, there's hundreds of thousands of young men with loads of seat time. But that seat time has been bought by their parents. So you, you can't demand look, to be look, going I to motorsport. I don't know that many race drivers. The people I speak to regularly, Dino Zamparelli, I, I speak to all the time. He goes to yeah. where I play squash. Uh, Jack Goff. Uh, these are, you know, Dino was, was a bright young Good star. Good single seater. Yeah, yeah. Jack Goff, amazing yeah. uh, BTCC driver. These guys can't get drives. They, 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 <laughs> they end up being driver They haven't coaches. got the money. Nothing, nothing wrong with being a driver coach, but they are exceptional yeah. talents. Exceptional. Yeah. It's the same for them. But it becomes... Well, because it's, the, it's such an easy target to say, we're not getting enough time, we're, we're ladies, yeah. and it's all against us. It's rubbish. It's not. Well, Jess, Jess did say, you know, at one stage, which she said, I think Jamie bought a bit of testing time um, with her winnings. But that wasn't true. Jamie Chamberlain comes from a fairly wealthy background. She'd carted from a kid. She did Janetta Juniors, you know. She was bought a, a, a GT4 championship winning car, obviously sharing with a man. I don't know who was quicker, who was slow. I haven't got all the facts. Um, and Jamie went out and raced in New Zealand and India and did these things before WC started. So because she had some wealth, she was like a young boy with a rich parent. She bought a lot of seat time. 
Uh, Jess said it was with her winnings. But the rumour has it she used her winnings to buy a flat in London. But anyway, I'm not sure I'm not fact, I'm told. So, you know, Jamie bought seat time. And it all boils down to the end. I mean, Juju Noda, one of the WCs, the Japanese girl. I mean, they all these stories. She was driving Formula 3 cars when she was about nine years old, wasn't she? So, I mean, her dad yeah. bought her a lot of seat time, but she hasn't yet, you know, shown, shown the promise that we thought she might have. And I think, in all honesty, if you sort of walk away a bit and don't get so involved, it's literally because at eight years old, if, you, if, you, if a dad says to a daughter and a son, do you want a, a pony or a go-kart? I still believe that most girls want a pony and most boys might want a go-kart. That's a totally random thought, but it's my thinking. Well, I still believe and as I just, well, the parents who are influential that time, yeah. most fathers are going to encourage their son. It's just the way <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. And, and most mothers are going to encourage them to. And, if, and, the yeah. ones that, and the ones that defy that um, convention, good for you. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Because we want to have more females in, in yeah. motor racing. Well, we, had a, we had a, a father down at Thrax. They do their ARDS test, the junior ARDS, whatever junior ARDS is. Uh, and that was a father bringing in a, a 10-year-old daughter to, have a, to get her racing licence. And it, it's those people you have to go to. You have to go to the parents and say, you know, if, if, if we want a female Grand Prix driver, um, you know, you've got to take your girl karting, aged eight, and you've got to take your girl to Formula Ford and Formula 3 and GB4, and you've got to pay for that. You know, motorsport doesn't have to pay for that. There are phenomenal, think, you know, there are phenomenal the, opportunities for, for females in motorsport. And, yeah. and for those that say there aren't, it's, it's just simply not true. Put yourself in the shoes of Jack Goff, Dino Zamparelli, and the thousands yeah. of other incredibly talented men that just cannot get a drive, yeah. cannot get a seat uh, anywhere at all. It's a, it's a meritocracy. It should I mean, be done some, on merit. There's some great merit. women you know, throughout the years. I mean, Des, women, Desiree yeah. Wilson I'd raced yeah. against. One of four or three. I mean, she was brilliant. She should have yeah. been a girl, but she was really the best female driver. You know, Davina Galitza had a good career. You know, Lella Lombardi. They've always been there. In fact, when they say it's just, you know, a boy's thing, um, uh, Susie Wolf, who was Susie, Susie Stoddart then, and Catherine Legg. Now, Catherine Legg, really talented female driver. She's now doing GT, GT3s and stuff. She's in IndyCar for two years. Um, but they were both given DTM rides because each manufacturer, BMW, Audi, and uh, Mercedes, uh, were, were agreed, let's all have a woman each. Now, to be fair, they only got year-old cars, so they all ran around sort of towards the back of the field. So, you know, Catherine Legg and Susie both got professional drives because they were women. Um, Susie did even better because she managed to, to meet Toto and marry a billionaire. So she, <laughs> she got an extra bonus. So yeah, there have been so many. Ellen Law, Formula 3, she was really quick in Formula 3. Um, had a bad accident in Monaco. I think she damaged her arm. Uh, but she was at Monaco this historic last year, hustling this old Formula 1 Ferrari. Won the, won the Formula uh, the 1960s Grand Prix cars race. It was brilliant to watch. You know, Simona de Silvestre, really good job. I mean, there's, there's plenty of inspirational and of, women. And, and, of course, Jamie Chadwick, her modern-day. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to be and so she's interesting. Brilliant. I she's hope such for a good goodness. She, she I does really do well. hope that she does well in Indie Lights or whatever it's called. Um, and I just don't want Ooh. every week to read her Twitter and says and have things like this. The, the, I've seen it throughout everybody's racing career where they say, Ooh. Or the engineer didn't quite get it right, or we didn't get this strategy right, or this was wrong. The car wasn't running great. The tires, are, and there's always it's never the driver. You know that, no. don't you? It's never ever mm. the driver. So I really hope that doesn't happen. I really hope Jamie maybe, has a fantastic. Maybe we'll, we'll have to have a pod off. Pod off. Can you have a pod off with motor mouth? Let's have a pod off. We challenge you to pod off. Um, <laughs> and I just think I just fed up with motorsport being blamed. 
you know, the fact is, you know, if girls don't want to be racing carts when daddy's, even if daddy's really keen, if they don't want to race carts, they don't want to race carts. Look at, look at one of the most epic championships that's going on as we speak now. The World Darts Championship. Epic. <laughs> epicness. If you haven't seen it, you've got to watch it. But my point no, there, there's, there's, no, there's two ladies that, that, that compete on the, on the circuit. But darts is not. You don't have to be uh, a professional athlete. Look mm. at the darts players. But why aren't there more darts players? It's the same as it's it's, yeah. it's just that stereotypical. I mean, still, I mean, maybe, maybe Jess is right. Maybe sort of young girls are intimidated. You know, they don't sort of feel that motorsport would welcome them. But I mean, that's a psychology thing, which I don't think is true. I just, I don't just think, don't think there you, are that you, many girls that want to do it. You start off in karting and and it's a bit of an open book, really, isn't it? Sort of when you're young and you're karting. And I think it's more they, parents than they even, they even said when they went karting, that the, the girls had to have more padding behind the seats than anyone else. But uh, there's plenty of small boys. Not all girls are small. I don't, know, I don't know. It was just a whole thing that motorsport was sort of not accommodating women like it ought to. Right. Tiff Nadell, ex-Formula 1 driver. You've raced in a few Le Mans, 14, I believe. Uh, you've done a thing or two. Tell me, what... You, Tiff Nadell, what was your most memorable race ever? Because there's enough of women racing. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm all for it. And that's not a negative. I just mean, let's move on because... Uh, I don't know. My, my, I was so lucky that I didn't... I was so lucky I didn't become a, a famous Grand Prix driver. Um, it's a stupid thing to say, but I raced in some weird and wonderful places. And I think that because I didn't make it as a superstar, although I did do a Grand Prix, I drove a Grand Prix car around Monaco, you know, so that was still a great thing. I did 14 Le Mans 24-hour races, which was, you know, my best. But, you know, I raced at Macau, you know, and I was battling for the lead when the gearbox broke and had some wonderful outings in Kuala Lumpur. I think Daytona 24-hour race, bizarrely, it was such a wonderful thing to go and do in January because uh, it's such a different track. And in, in those days, there were like 84 cars and no lights at the infield and there were cars appearing off the grass. And I sort of still lived and raced in a sort of very wild uh, old place, but... Um, I think, you know, in Hockenheim, when I, I was running third in my second Formula 2 race, and the engine blew. I mean, that was a pretty epic moment. So all, all, all my great stories seem to end up with things going wrong. <laughs> what's your best um, win? Okay, being, what's your all, best win? You must well, it was have third a... at Le Mans. I mean, big on the podium at Le Mans was yeah. probably, that was a finish. Um, but, you know, best wins were all in Formula Ford days, you know, winning those days just was just, when you won a battle in a Formula Ford, you know, you knew you'd beat the whole field of young talent. No, so those immensely satisfying. So you didn't ever um, race against Ayrton Senna in Formula Ford. He was just, no, no. Just I did the Formula Three at Macau. My, I did the Formula Three race at Macau. I think he was a bit quicker than me. I was in a bad car. Obviously, you got to be in the right team. I mean, you go back to you know tire pressure. Back to the women again. You know, women say they can't fit the cars, but even if once you fit the car, you've then got to get to the right team and the right thing. So he wins, you know, I won a British touring car race in the Sierra Cosworth. You know, that was quite an epic day out. And um, I think with the list of storm, towards the end of my career, when I finally got into the, the winning car, you know, I ended um, uh, my British GT series with three wins on the trot. Winning at Spa, that was very special in, in the list, the V12 Vista. And it was, it was like Donington, Spa, Silverstone, three on the trot. And that was, yeah, I think that's Spa, probably Spa in the list of storm. Little epic drives. Which driver have you ever met or come across in your career 
that should have gone on to do stuff never did. Who 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 was the most talented driver? Well, my my era was a bit thin on the ground with talent. We had all the Brazilians coming. But Jeff Lees, he just got his autobiography out. Actually, um, you can find it on Amazon somewhere. He was a very underrated. He was my main companion. We hated each other with a passion in nineteen seventy five. We're now good mates. We play golf. Uh, but he had some a few Grand Prix drives, and uh, I thought he always had talent that wasn't quite recognised. But he was like a garage mechanic from Atherston. You know, he didn't, he didn't fit the mould, perhaps. But, yeah, very talented. John, John Morrison? He was a tall. Yeah, Super B, yeah, Super B. But I never crossed, crossed charts with him because he was a Super B man. But, but you know, so most of my friends were all foreign. You know, AL, Stefan Johansson, the Swede. They all, they all came to Britain to race in Formula 3, you know, when I was there. So my main competitors were mainly, you know, from overseas and not that many British talent, not much British talent. But who, did, what, who, was the, who was the best British talent? Did you ever, you must have raced against James Hunt. No, he was ahead of me, wasn't he, about yeah. two or three years. So, uh, well, I mean, Jim Clark was the best. But in my era, you know, we didn't have that mercurial British driver at that stage. You know, when I didn't qualify for the Monaco Grand Prix in 1980, um, nor did John Watson, and it was the only Grand Prix with no British driver in it since about 1956 or something. So wow. if you're on a pub quiz, what was the last Grand Prix with no British drivers? It was me and Jock Watson failing to qualify. <laughs> I remember, so I I remember not, that. Well, that, well, then Nigel came in, I guess. He was the next. But I wouldn't call him a mercurial Jim Clark. I mean, he was just an amazing, hard, determined, gritty driver who just muscled the car around the track. Pretty brave driver, Nigel. So then, well, I don't know, where are you going to go to now for a mercurial? Then we're going to Hamilton next. Who was in between? Oh, Jensen Button came up. He's a very real naturally John, Johnny, talented. Johnny Herbert won a few races. Oh, Johnny Herbert. <laughs> she should have been. He's, I mean, should have been. And that's the worst thing, that accident at Brands, you know, which chopped his foot off. I think he was a really – and he was about five foot six, you yeah. know, w- wouldn't have fitted into a Grand Prix car sort of thing at the time. Um. So, yeah, there was a lot of talent. Coulthard. Yeah, Coulthard. I wouldn't say he was, you know, Jim Clark. He was just a very good. There's been, a, there's been quite yeah. a few, very, you know, Derek Warwick. been a lot of very, very, very good Mansell. We miss Mansell. Well, no, I've just mentioned Mansell. I just How talked about him about two yeah. minutes ago. Oh, You've just been reading a note. So you've been leaving me. What are you reading there? You're reading the Sunday paper while I'm talking to I've got, I've, I've got my notes here. But uh, I've got a little stat for you. I like your stat about the last British winners. But little stat. Uh... Do you know, do you realise that Max Verstappen has won two world championships since Lewis Hamilton won his last race? Let that sink in. You're not interested, yeah. are you? No. Tony really? Bryce, I was just thinking of Mercurial. To, oh, sadly, was in the, the plane when uh, Graham Hill crashed the plane with Tony Bryce. He was an outstanding talent. Tom Price, the Welshman who we lost, that unnecessary uh, fire extinguisher accident in uh, South Africa. So we, yeah, yeah. But now we've got, now though, we have got three mercurial talents in Hamilton, Lando and Russell. And, and uh, of course... Yeah, be um, careful how you, how you throw that around because mercurial talent is the, the best of the best of the best. Oh, the I think markers, they are, I the centres, the I think we've Hamilton. got the Lando and Lando. You know, I think, I think got, Lando's there, but I don't yeah. think George is. Oh, we I shall think. see. We shall see. So we'll talk about some predictions next week for Formula 1 because um, we can't wait for that to, to start again or kick off. Um, and uh, I guess we should quite... get some gossip coming in, shouldn't we? I, I mean, it's, so. it's great now. We've got Dakar keeps us going for a couple of weeks, and that leads us into Formula E. If you want to open the Formula E in January the 15th, there's a thousand, there's a 24 hour Dubai race for GT3. 
uh, fans. And then, of course, you know, the Monte Carlo rally starts on end of January, 22nd of January. Daytona 24 hours to the 29th. So it's a bit quiet now. It's all about to kick off again in the wonderful world of motorsports. Join us next week. Thanks for joining this week. Join us next week. Cheers. Happy New Year. I'll go fix my computer now and my dishwasher and my boilers. I'll, I'll read the rest of my paper. <laughs> <laughs>